One, two, one, two. Now here we go. You know what time it is? Welcome to another episode of the Frankie Lee Podcast. Our mission to empower others to break patterns, flip perspectives, so that together we have clarity, direction, and success way beyond what we ever previously thought possible. Here's your host, Frankie Lee. Welcome back to the Frankie Lee Podcast. Today we are joined by the man himself, Mr. Sam Mangan, owner of James Cosmetics, who also has the PR company Spin & Co. Mate, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. And the second time. Oh, look. <laughs> the any, second coming. Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> anytime, <laughs> anywhere. That's the problem once you realise how, how deep a rabbit hole I can take you down on the yeah. concept of nothingness. Then then, then you, you, you realise, well, we have to shoot the podcast it's twice. A, it's only <laughs> then you come back and have to be very strict with me. <laughs> yeah. We're on a strict time schedule this That's time because we, we went over last time and had all kinds <laughs> of different problems. But anyway, we're back. I suppose the best place for, for me to start with you and obviously to give people your journey is you obviously started off by studying law and, and you know, going on the path of becoming a lawyer. And then from that, you end up in doing PR. I mean, give me a bit of a, a broad strokes overview of how you end up working in PR at the level you're working in when you started off doing law. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard, right? I think that when you see kids who are in high school and there's this massive pressure, right, that you're in school and it's all about. And I went to a um, I went to a phenomenal school and, you know, my parents worked very hard to send me there. And it was all very, you know, academic focused. And it was sort of, there was so much pressure around OPs, which is the, the Queensland system, um, you know, OPs and whether you do an OP or what was called a rank, which is kind of like, and, and in school, the perception was if you did a rank, you're an idiot like that. And it, it was quite crass. And so, so much pressure on that. And it's, you know, what are you going to do? And they've got a career counselor and there's all this pressure. And it's like, when you look at the concept of how old you are, you're like, I mean, obviously at the time you're you know, 16 to 18, depending on sort of where you're born or whatever, when they start really coming for you about what you're going to do with your life. But I feel like at 16, what you're actually, what, four years old, right? Like you have not had many years where yeah, you've actually not, been making any yeah. calls about anything, right? Like yeah. the rest of the time you're just doing what mum said and like, you know what I mean? Like pretty hard. So you're like four and they're asking you to decide what you're going to do the rest of your life. Like it's such horseshit. So for me, you know, sort of seeing that and you see everyone go to uni, I was sort of looking at it, what do I actually want to do? And I, looking back on it, what I wanted to do was be, and, and in inverted commas, we'll say, was be an international business person. It was kind of what I liked the idea of, you know, flying all over the world and doing this and doing that and whatever else. Um, regret that wish now. but um, And that was kind of the idea. <laughs> but uh, how do you achieve that, though, I don't really know. And yeah. the difference being, and we, we can talk about this later, but... I think had I have grown up in the world of social media like I did now, because Facebook was introduced in 2008, which was the year I graduated school, or 2007 technically, but 2008 more publicly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I wasn't really exposed. We had MySpace. Like the biggest issue we had in social media land was picking your top nine friends and you could reshuffle them. So if you had an argument with someone over the weekend, they went from two to an eight. You know, you know, showed and them. That's, that's really offensive. That was it? serious business. Yeah. You know, these <laughs> days now you get bullied into psychiatry. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's a whole different <laughs> world out there now. Like what we used to deal with is nothing like this. And so... I think that not having that pressure, I had this idea of being an international business person, which was very novel and sort of very broad. Whereas these days, it's like you need to make six figures in an e-com and, it, you know, there's, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, so yeah, much yeah. pressure. So much pressure on it's people. It's wild. Isn't it? So for me, it was kind of like, I don't really know how to do that. What are my interests? 
and one of my interests was the law, and I, I am very much a loser in that way in that I just am fascinated by the law. And I think we sort of sp- spoke about this last time. I'm trying not to confuse what I have or haven't said, but what we, I thought... We we're not using it, so just say it. No, that's why I'm trying to... Um, <laughs> uh, might what, use it for a few clips. I'm trying to think what was any good from that yeah, to bring in. Yeah. But I kind of, to me, feel like the law is like the intellectual equivalent of, of a of a jousting fight or like a like boxing yeah. but on an intricate level. Exactly right. Like yeah, it's yeah. it's like the um the intellect version of boxing, you know what I mean? And and not that I'm saying that there's no intellect in hey, boxing, mate, obviously. I, mate, I, I can take it. You punch me in the face. No. <laughs> but, yeah, and so I think that that's like because I'm I'm never gonna be a boxer in any world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like my version of when I, I could be a boxer, a mental yeah, yeah, boxer, yeah, if you will. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so I quite like that sort of you know, you see court and obviously you see it on TV shows. It's not that real, but you see this idea of, you know, it's sort of one, two and, and a punch back and forth from these two lawyers. And, and that was actually what we were talking about last time. The law is binary, right? Like it's written there. It's legislation. It's this, that, and the it's other. It's how you interpret it. How, how you, you take it. it. Yeah, yeah, how yeah. you, you know, and that's why having a good lawyer is better than having a bad lawyer. And it's someone who's invested versus not. And all those pieces. And so those nuances to me were fascinating. And so I thought that was very interesting. Second tier to that. Um, I've personally, there's this quote that I always talk about, which is, um, never be the smartest guy in the room or if you're, if, if, if you're, you're the smartest you're the guy, smart in the guy in the room, room you're in the wrong room. room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now I get why people are saying that, right? You should surround yourself with really intelligent people. It grows your own, you know, mental capacity. It grows your knowledge. Raises and your, your level. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all those things are phenomenal. So true. But, and I, and I agree with that, but I conversely very much agree that you should always be the smartest guy in the room. And I say that in the context of never walk into a room unprepared. You never want to go into a room where you're unable to meet the level to the meeting that you're in. It's the same way when I interview. Don't walk into an interview with me and have no idea what I do for a living. I don't even have time for the interview that we're sitting in, but I've made the time. To, and everyone who comes into this business interviews with me. Um, I could outsource it, but I don't like to. Um, and by you want to know what you get in there. I want to know exactly who's going to be in the building, who's going to be working with us every day. And so I don't have a lot of time in the day. So when someone comes in and they come in and ask me a question like, so oh, could you tell me a bit about James Cosmetics? I think, well, you're a fucking moron. Don't come in for an interview. As it's an About Us page on the website. Just, you, just, you just Google it. Like, how stupid are you? You know what I mean? And it's not an ego thing. It's not a, I don't want you to blow smoke on my ass. I don't have time for that either. But to ask a question like that just shows how little you give a shit and in turn how little I care about having you in the building. So for me, it's you, I go into every room very prepared, every meeting, even if it's not my meeting, if I'm attending with one of the staff, I know exactly what they're going to talk about. I know the topics. I make sure I'm well-versed on whatever it is that we're going to be discussing. Heaven forbid I get asked a question. And nine times out of ten, I don't. But you want to make sure that you're ready for yeah, it. You make and sure, for yeah. me, the law is very much something that was always going to underpin everything I did in business but I didn't understand it enough. And like medicine, you can't kind of learn that on your own. Whereas I personally feel like a lot of business aspects you can learn on your own. And the ones that you can't, you can hopefully outsource to someone better at it anyway. Yeah. No point in me being the best accountant in the world. I'm never going to do it. So yeah, you, <laughs> I'll have an accountant if, who does if, it. If it doesn't tick your box and you get bored of it, there's no point in doing it anyway. Exactly right. So for me, it was very much about, I had this real intrigue about the law and this intrigue about the understanding of how it all, the mechanics of how it worked and then how that would apply in a broader business sense. And I, I mean, I will say that it was, it's one of the best decisions I've ever made because there's not a day goes by that I don't use the degree. It's in every way, shape, and form. I mean, whether it's contract negotiations, just a general awareness, it kind of raises the level of um, your own intelligence, I like to think, because it introduces a lot of critical thinking, a lot of critical assessment, and and those and also ways of looking at things. I mean, even this is, uh, here we go, as I take you down another rabbit hole, but <laughs> what I find is fascinating, for example, is, and this is getting a bit deep, but here we yeah, go anyway yeah. for a Tuesday. 
you think of like a, a lawyer who represents, say, someone who's accused of pedophilia. Right, okay. Now, when they start the whole concept of, uh, you know, generally studying the degree and whatever else, someone who's done something horrible, yep. like pedophilia, right? Like 9.9 times out of 10, everyone's going to say, like, you're a pig, die in a hole. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yep. no one wants to borrow that. But this idea of the law is that it's everyone ha- has this entitlement to the law. So it's your job to stand there and provide the person legal representation. Something about it's not your personal opinion, it's you're the lawyer. You go in there and you provide legal representation. So it's your job to find a way out if there is a way out for that candidate, right? Well, whether it's a way out, it's not necessarily the outcome that you're looking for. What it is is you're providing them what they're entitled to, which is what everyone's entitled to, which is legal representation. So you have the law and you apply the law and your skills in the best way that you can. That's your job. You know what I mean? It's the same way when a doctor has someone get wheeled in who's just gone and shot up half the, you know, mosque or the uh, school or the whatever else. The surgeon doesn't go, I'm not operating. Too bad. He he has no... It's not his personal opinion. No, he's not his personal opinion. He just just wants to operate on the person in front of you. That's the job. And it's very similar for a lawyer. So I find lots of stuff very fascinating from a mental perspective. Hey, you get yourself... Because I'm the guy, right? Like someone comes in and they're like, you've been accused of pedophilia. It's like, you go down the hall, mate. (laughs) I'm not helping. But I find that mentality of having to put your mind in that situation. Lawyer's got it easy, right? Like someone comes into your office, yes or no. Doctor... Guy gets wielded on the stretcher. He's yeah. got handcuffed he to the side. He doesn't. He can't. He doesn't have a time to decide nope. whether he's that's a paedophile or whether that's a that's a good person or not. Yeah. It's like it's literally like he's going to operate to save that person's life. It's a human, yeah, and yeah, your yeah. job is to try and fix it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's how it goes. So I just find that sort of mentality interesting, and it just has your mind a different way. And I think the more that you can expose your mind to critical thinking and critical assessment, the better you become. More broadly speaking, when you're assessing, you know, your position on, you know. Um, movements yeah, yeah, or yeah. rights or anything of that any I think any opinion you have it allows you to articulate it better and understand yeah. it better from both sides because as a lawyer you have to understand both sides of an argument right very because very you, right, because, so. because you've got to fight it oh, yeah, one exactly way or another right. and that's why they have you in law school very much so you get put on both sides so it's yeah. not argue just from the plaintiff you've also got to argue from the defendant side so that you can actually see how you attack it with the same level of intelligence and vigor and passion even from when both you sides not, of the case. Yeah. but And when you move to both sides of the case, it, it really opens your eyes to sort of – because when you're p- picking one of the cases, you form a personal bias. That's just what happens. As you're going through it and you're looking at the evidence, you've got a lens over you. Of, you're looking at it to see where you can get the plaintiff out of the defendant, whatever it is that you're doing. Then when you move sides – You've got to look back over it with this new lens of no, actually yeah. refute all of that. It's 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 just an interesting opening of your mind. So every case that you've made as to why this person should be prosecuted, you're now making a case as to why they should be defended against that. Exactly right. You've yeah. got to be ready. And, and nine times out of ten, any good lawyer will tell you that most of the times, if you're a trial attorney, that is, most of the times you're better off to spend time working out what the other guy's going to do than what you'll do, because it's more. It's going to be much more beneficial to know which ways he's going to go than versus a way that you're going to go without the context of what he's going to do. Because you want to know that the holes that you think are identified on the other side of the table, so you can work out how to plug them. Right. So it's, that's generally, which again, you're how thinking, to dispute anything that this other case anything. person's going to bring and put on your table. Yeah, and that's oh. the same thing. You write a contract. When you write a contract for someone, you need to write it ironclad. So you've got to envisage every which way someone can try and weasel out of it. So then you work that out, so then you write it so they can't, that doesn't work. Then you think of another way to get around it, so you write another way to get rid of that. It's just, and that's that's why it's an art. It's an absolute minefield. I can can see how you've used that within PR, but when it comes to PR, whatever, I mean, whatever possessed you to go, okay, I'm going to be be this guy that looks after 
you know, high-end celebrities and brands in PR? Look, I, I'm not... PR isn't necessarily... It's what I'm best known for because we've had the agency the I think longest. It was, it, was your, it was your first real success, though, wasn't it? Look, the glow sticks were the first success. At school, I was the richest twelve-year-old yeah. there. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, I mean, to an extent, it was, but it's not for me. It's the vessel. It's not what I do. What right. I do is I'm a business person. Yeah, like but, the, but your but your first route or route or however you want to say it into into the business world um the first vehicle that that you obviously cash flowed to obviously you know the service you provided where you added value to people's lives and obviously could exchange for money that was that was successful at a high degree was the pr side wasn't it yeah correct but i think that even the assessment there is almost the wrong way to look at it because if you think about the level of success is irrelevant right how much money i make isn't the isn't the golden ticket here the point to all of this is, I knew that I had to be a business person. That's what I had to be. Yep. Whether that meant all I could achieve was a $60,000 a year salary or $40,000 a year salary, the truth of the matter is, I'm just a business person. Doesn't That doesn't have any degree, right? The, I think the idea now, because of social media and everything else, is a business person must be making millions. That's, yeah. that's not relevant. My put together, the person that I am is a business person. That's how I operate. I don't work well as an employee in companies. I'm always the one being like, we should go with my ideas. I think it's better. It's, that's just who the person that I am. Uh, I'm always thinking of new ways to expand the business, even if it's not my own. That's just who I yeah, am. Yeah. How much money I make out of it is irrelevant. I couldn't be a good employee. Because the money comes as a byproduct of adding value to people anyway. Well, yeah. it's, it's just, thankfully, I'm, I'm a good business person. But regardless, I'm still a business person. So for me, it's all the ones I've had previously, some that were a disaster and went away, some like the glow sticks that made good money, so you know the website design business that did pretty well. It was all the. It's the exact same as now, where I make a lot more money. It's because every day I woke up and was trying to think, how do I grow this? You know, what's the P and L look like? How does this operate? Could we afford to hire staff? How do we get new clients? It's the same every day. But do you agree though that the PR business was the, was the business where, because you were successful at it and because you landed bigger clients with that business that it allowed you to make the connections you needed to go into e-com to go into other areas of other facets of business and add other streams in oh i mean i don't disagree with that what, what i would say though is that and a lot of people i think misunderstood what it was that i was trying to do especially you know so-called competitors of ours in the pr space say in in this region but i was never you look globally right and this is what this is the difference, right, between someone who wants to open a PR agency and the, what I believe I am, which is a business person. I didn't open the PR agency and go like, how do we make this the biggest PR agency ever? I identified the fact that when we were doing website design, you had to build a website and then give the website to the client and they were no longer a client. So you made one lump sum of money and that was the end of it. So at the same speed you were building the site, you had to be acquiring new customers and it was a never-ending you know, never never hamster wheel. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't win. Whereas PR is a retained model. So you get one client and they were good for a year. So then yep. you bring the next one on, your revenue's doubled, your revenue's yep. tripled. Yep. And so I identified the business model. But then once I knew that was working and you looked at the global market, find the biggest PR agency out there. There's some of the biggest in the world I make more money than. In terms of net profit, revenue, no, absolutely not. They're far bigger than I will ever be. Yep. But net-wise, they're not making that much money. So when you look from a model perspective, I realized very, very early on that this was not the model to go really big. Which is so you what scaled I do. it. So you scaled it to a point which is which is where you were happy at, and then you needed to look. No, for, I no? scaled the business resource to a point where it could service what else I wanted to do. Right. Okay. So I yeah, built yeah, the yeah, resource yeah. internally in terms of manpower and skill that I could afford to pay with the service business because I had no cap to start. Yep. So it was just from zero dollars in my parents, you know, house, 
And then once I had the resource, I was able to then use that same resource from the agency to start James Cosmetics. So resources in there were my customer service, were helping me build the campaigns, were getting me PR coverage for the brand with, again, no money. So yep. that resource could then service that piece. Then it could service the talent piece. Then it, and it built out from there. Obviously, we have a lot more staff now, but it's the same mentality. I can walk out of my office right now and say it to the entire building, I need X, Y, and Z, and it can be done. And that's why our business isn't built as simply just a you know a singular uh, one piece. Everything's departmentalized. So I've got an expert team in influences. I've got an expert team in logistics and um, and manufacturing and product. And so no matter what I'm trying to point them at, I can point them at. Yeah, so because, you, because you've you've put the staff members in place to be able to do all these different facets in the business, whether exactly. it's social media marketing, whether it's... So if I'm moving something from the US to here, whether it's what business it's for, my logistics team are the fastest way and the most cost-effective way to do that. Yeah. If I'm getting an influencer for Gymshark or I'm getting an influencer for James Cosmetics, my influencer team are the best people. Yeah, so cool. we have the resource scale. So everyone thought I was trying to, you know, take Dom- clients and this PR. PR. Couldn't care less about PR. Couldn't care less about what we do day to day. It for me, it was about the businesses. It's about building the team whilst also making revenue whilst you are building it. At the end exactly of the day, because right. you've got to be profitable. But you've got to be profitable, sure. But but more important, you're, you're more important. You are building something for the longer term by building the team and the resources in the place to diversify. Yeah, but. Yeah. You know, you're, it's a very different mentality. If you're trying to build a business to be your primary business as a profit center, is very different to what I was doing. So I didn't care that much about the profit centers so that I, I would obviously need to make money. And I was doing that in the early years, but a very, very, very small amount of money because I was trying to hire as many people as I could to resource up faster to then grow everything else. Whereas if you were trying to grow a big PR business, you'd be watching that bottom line every day because you need to remain profitable at every step. Whereas I didn't care about that. That didn't make any difference to me. Didn't make any difference that the agency was taking a big hit while James was trying to grow. Didn't, you know, because it's all one big pot. Legally speaking, it's not. But technically speaking, in my mind, it's all one pot. That's why we have the group. Then we leverage that into more cash resources. Then we use that to launch the projects business. So then now we're developing warehouses. Now we're acquiring caravan parks. Now there's a whole different entity, which again, serviced by that. And because because you've built it in a way that, can sustain all these different business models. You can you can use one to fund the next and to fund the next. So basically, what, what you what you're doing now is you o- you're only in businesses and only doing things that you're passionate about in terms of like things that you actually like. But I'm passionate about business, so yeah. I like all of them. That's uh, the problem. No, no I understand. I understand that. But what I'm saying is, if you if you're if you think oh caravan parks are a good business model, they make money. We'll buy caravan parks. But 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 your cash flow from your business allows you to do that. Hundred percent. But I'm not ca- passionate about caravan parks. Couldn't care less. Don't know no. anything about them. Never. I, I, you just know they make them. money. Well, I I can see that the housing market is a certain way. I can see that there's bad operators in that market. I can see that capital is a huge issue in those in those categories. You don't find a lot of caravan operators unless they're Fortune 500s, like you know big um, listed companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are a lot of like owner operators. They don't have cap to fix things. The pool breaks. They can't. They don't have fifty grand. Yep. So a lot of these places get further and further and further run down, then they go derelict. So if you've got the CapEx to go in and acquire them and fix them, there's a conversation to be had there. So again, it, I don't. it's not the fact that it's a caravan park, it's the fact that it's interesting to me from a business perspective. Yeah, when yeah. you look at the numbers you, and you go, you, yeah, you see the opportunity. there's an opportunity here. So that's why, that's why it's hideously dangerous too because – I don't sit in my office all day and like I would have two new business ideas probably a day. Yeah. That's the problem. And then you but you have to focus on the the existing stuff you need, which in the early days is a lot harder. 
because it's just you. You're doing nine people's jobs. Now at least I have resources to be able to sort of handle the day-to-days of things so my mind can be a bit more strategic and whatnot. But yeah, my issue is that I like business. So it's not necessarily the um, the vehicle that I'm in is doesn't really matter doesn't at the really time. matter yeah you just you just want to use the resources that you've got the best to suit what you're trying to achieve to grow the overall piece to grow and the overall things group. like covid i mean you know covid hits who knows what happens right like certain things you know we have to slow down developments and this happens and certain um pieces of our um, agency business turned off because they were um specifically affected so you know it's you want to be diversified to a point where i don't like the idea of which i for, was for a long time like a lot of people are leveraged against one thing you know, your industry falls apart or your business falls apart, then what do you do? Yeah. Start over, sure. But I don't like the idea of fully starting over. I don't like the idea of everything being hinged on, you know, just one one piece. piece one piece, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. One so. piece, one client, you're always you're always left wide open to disruption. Correct. Which is now you've hedged yourself by going uh, into James Cosmetics and all the other stuff that obviously the property stuff that you're going through and everything. Now you're now you're more diversified across a platform and it can support the group when the group's down here, it can be up here. Correct, yeah. Yeah. But we're diversified as well also in terms of we're diversified in terms of business, but we're diversified in terms of resource even further. So, you know, now it's my reach is far further into the US market. It's far further into the UK market. So that now allows me to do whatever I want in different areas. Just because the fact that I can move a box of eye masks from here to there now means that I can move anything from here to there. Yeah, because you've got the price. logistics for it. I've got logistics to do it. So it's it's all about building more resource so that when you want to pour more things on it, you can. Yeah. You don't ever want to be, I don't ever want to be building something that's just, just linear for one company. That's what I like to be able to, which is, it's a private equity mindset to an extent. You know, you buy up multiple things, tie them together and sell them. Like it's the idea of building multiple resources that all hedge on each other's intelligence and, and smarts and building it together to sell off. But generally you do that in one category, which is not what I'm doing. Most people don't realize this day one though. Most people realize this when they're, when they're start, when, when they're accentuating through the business model. Was it, was yes. there a particular point when you're, when you say, when you, when the PR business was, 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 was firing and that was you and that was your sole revenue earner was there was there a time when you thought i need to diversify it was it, was there a time yes. when you thought this point ah oh, i'm getting this so fucking wrong right now and i need to change it no i knew from the beginning you knew you knew from the beginning that you were going to have a group yeah from the very beginning not many people know that no no the one thing i have is that i'm extremely self-aware that's my one skill in life i like to think it's i'm very very self-aware which is the most underrated skill or talent or thing to be born with in the world in my opinion so I've always known there'd be a group. I've always known it would diversify. And it, people who've known me for a long, long time will tell you for years and years and years, I banged on about, I need a product, but I don't know what it is. That was the piece that I couldn't work out. I didn't know what the product had to be. That's why James took so long to launch. So when you, so, so just, let's just take it back. Cause I want to talk about that, that exactly that piece with the James Cosmetics and how that piece came in. But obviously you started that business with Emily. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Emily wasn't involved from day one. Not not from day one, but she came in later she on, did didn't she? Yeah. But before we get to that point, where, how did the conversation even? So how did it even come to fruition that that Emily, you came into doing Emily's PR in the first place? Like to, to get her to get so that we get her role into this before we start yeah, yeah. to tell that story. Um, so I met Em. Uh, I think I've been managing Em now for six or seven years, something like that. Um, I met her originally through a mutual friend, um, Nicole Joy, on the Gold Coast here, who I represented at the time. Um, who was doing cookbooks. Um, she knew Emily and um, and she knew at the time the guy running Emily's business. Yeah. And um, she sort of 
said they're looking for someone just to handle PR. Yep. Um, and so I've recommended you. Um, Emily wanted to be on TV, and I just recently had Nicole on the Today Show. So um, I took a meeting with them. I originally turned down the meeting several times because it wasn't um, – I didn't want to be in talent. Um, and then um, I also made the same, I guess, mistake and assessment that everyone did that it was just – a pretty girl who's got followers online. Um, it wasn't until I met her that I realised that was very wrong. And then, um, yeah, we started sort of working together. I handled only her press in the beginning and then slowly over time took over sort of... Different everything. facets of the of, of the, of the Correct, yeah, yeah, over the years. So, yeah, we've been together for yeah, a long time now. Long and time. and obviously how long through that relationship did, did she obviously come into... So you said you set up James Cosmetics on your own in the initial period. Correct. So let's just go to that then. So you said you knew you wanted a product. Yep. But you said you didn't know what the product was. Correct. How, how, how can someone or how did you go about formulating what that product should be to make sure it was a hit like it has been for you? So, uh, again, I'm a business person, so you, I assess it from a business perspective. I don't, you know, there's a lot of people who say you've got to love what you do every single day, right? I love business, so that's why I'm fine. Yeah. Um, but that, that's why sometimes I think people get confused that they would yeah. think that I started it for money, right? That's not the relevant point. The relevant point is it's a business and I like the, that game. Yeah, you, li- you, li- you, li- you, li- you like to be in the business mind yeah like it's not you you're not you're no more passionate about um pr than you are about eye masks you're just Correct. passionate about the business you just see the business the potentially scaling the growth yeah, yeah the, I understand. how do we get yeah, yeah. that's so that's what i find phenomenally interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. so i'm interested in that piece so for me it was when i was trying to find it it wasn't about which is what a lot of people should do like what are you passionate about that's the first step and then that's what you go into because every day if you're going to wake up and do it like emily health and fitness she's passionate about health and fitness business she couldn't care less about but she was passionate about changing people's lives through health and fitness so that's what she wakes up every day that's what drives her and so whenever she's getting too far away from that we bring her back to it you know back in the gym back talking one-on-one to people back spreading that message so for me it was very much not about how do I find what I'm passionate about? It was, how do I find a product that's truly scalable here? How do I get a product that I can, one, afford to, because I had no money. Yep, it was yep. very early on in the business and everything was going into the business to try and hire more staff and resource out. Uh, and how do I you know, find something that I can scale? And then I came across an article one night, really late, um, that Glam Glow, which is a um, cosmetic mask company, was acquired by, I believe it was Estee Lauder, for $400 million in the skincare category, which is a category that hadn't grown double digits in a very long time. And this was a massive multiple on their revenue. I didn't. That makes no sense to me as a business person. Why would you pay a massive multiple on a company not doing something in a category that's not growing double digits? What's the answer there? They knew something that we didn't know. The category is about to grow double digits. So I knew then it was skincare. So then I bought basically whichever product I could find that would work from a financial standpoint based on the resources that I had to bring in, which was eye masks. And that, and that is literally how you got it. You just went f- went to a cosmetic supplier in wh- whatever country I you went to. from, yeah, overseas. And you, and you went for the, you went, the reason you went for the eye mask at the time was because that was the most cost-effective way for you to bring, to start. Uh, cost-effective and also makes the most sense in terms of skincare. So when you're talking about skincare, um, and this is somewhat boring, but the, the concept is if you're selling to women, which we are uh, primarily, um, they've got a moisturizer they love. They're going to stick with the same moisturizer. Yep. The same for you, for example. For you know, I don't know if you take. I out. use a moisturizer. Trust you me. There you go. <laughs> look. look at this head. So, but it's hard to get you to yeah. to convince you women even more to change their moisturizer. It's their holy grail. It's the center of their universe. Their serums, their moisturizers. That's the middle of their. It's the same if you go yeah. down to Never Quit and you said to the you know some of the boys down there, you've got to use this protein now. You can't change the core of someone's whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. too hard. In whatever they do. Too expensive. And when you're talking about um, acquisition online, a CPA, you can't be acquiring customers for too expensive. 
So you can't be spending all your money educating someone that our moisturizer is better. Yeah. Why? Bull, Too expensive. Can I just say something on this school, right? Bald guys use twice the amount of moisturizer as a woman because their head, ne- their their face never ends, does it? Like, but the average man <laughs> spends about a tenth of what women do on skincare. Yeah, yeah, so, no, I, I understand. But yeah, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah. More service area. <laughs> New product coming soon. I'm just so, saying, if you're looking for a model, mate, like, just look look at look at this moisturized head, mate. I tell you, I've got a bit of a gloss. The shine is yeah, just yeah, but the sheen, the sheen. <laughs> so for me, it was there's no point bringing out a product that we have to educate. One yeah. category, again, in the more I did about Glam Glow and the research I did on that company, was that a mask, women will buy 50. They don't care. They're not brand loyal. Yeah, yeah. They want to, they're willing to try. Tonight they'll use this company, tomorrow they'll use this company, this. They can use three and four in a day. No problems. Yeah. That's the market we wanted to intersect. And also a market that isn't too crowded. There's not a lot of eye mask brands out there. I have the biggest line in the world. So, so in terms of like products for eye masks, so in terms and, of- an eye mask, I have the largest range of eye masks on the planet. And- I noticed at one at one point in time. I don't know whether you're still in retail now, but you're you're in retail in terms of like uh, one of the department stores, aren't you? Um, we're not in department stores. We have worked with people like Mimco for collaborations where we were available in Mimco's nationally last year. Um, we were. I think we're in David Jones at the moment as a collaboration with Homebody, right? Okay, a sleepwear okay. brand. But no, we've rejected all requests to go into retail in that. So. Way. If someone was looking to grow a brand like like James um, in a niche that they obviously thinks a good business model rather yep. than being passionate about it, do you think it's going is to, is it in a growing category and they've, they've decided that? I'm just trying to th- try, I've, I've just lost my train of thought there, but what, what I'm trying to say is, do you think that people should, no, I've, I've completely lost it, what I was going to say, mate. So You're going to ask me where, like, where they should start. If they yeah, think it's the yeah, right thing, if, what's if, step one? If, yeah, yeah. What, what is step one into getting it into, in, or should they stay, e- what I'm trying to say, no, this is my point. My point was trying to say, do they stay e-com only or do they go Do they go looking for the stores? Because when I spoke to, to Jason at LSKD about this, yeah. he went into retail, right? Retail were obviously, um, he was having to create products that, that retail said that the, that the people wanted, whereas you know your customer best and you know what they're requesting through your DMs and through your feedback on this different products, right? Sure. So he was saying that he was getting paid a, a bulk amount of cash to make these products for, for these stores, um, like City Beach for argument's sake, but that wasn't what he truly felt the brand was, was best was. to pr- produce. Yep. So what's your advice on, for people in that? Look, it's for me, retail is is near impossible. So retail is a very difficult model to be involved in, right? So there's a whole reason, and this is, again, it's my lens is business. When I look at the market and you look why brands like Celeron and all these people, why they start opening their own stores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're available in Harold's, they're available in David Jones, they're available here, and slowly they're not available anywhere, they've got their own store. Control. Why is cosmetic brands, they used to only be stocked in Sephora, but now they've popped up next door. You know, why Morphe, one of the largest, uh, you know, color cosmetic brands on earth, why are they opening stores all over the world? Yeah. Although it's a pattern of, of movement, you know, and all those things you look at and you go like, why aren't they doing that? For me, a lot of it falls around net profit. It's a lot of work to sustain these uh, accounts for a lot less money because you're having to take costs after cost after cost off. And, you know, you're selling it at 50% of what you would normally be selling it direct to consumer. So when you look at what a retail actually offers you, it's offer, obviously offering you a larger upfront cash than you know you have to go out and fight for each customer yourself on the internet, Facebook ads, whatever you're doing. So it's hard, but 
the two facets and the two lines where it's difficult is one is your net profit because you're getting smashed. When you go into David Jones or Maya, you and Priceline and all those places, yeah, yeah, you've got to go. contribute to the catalog. <laughs> so you're paying fees to be in the catalog. You've got to pay for end caps. You've got to pay for um, shop displays. It's not just a purchase order and good luck. Most of them pay on 120 day invoices, whereas you're upfronting the cost to the manufacturer. Then it's brand. Is it on the shelf? Does it look good? Is it where you want to be in there? Are you on the shelf next to a brand you hate that's not cool? Do you get the end cap? There's so many pieces that are out of your control and then so many ways that you can be just turned away tomorrow. I personally don't like retail from that perspective until you hold the cards. So there's a reason that Kylie went into retail the way that she wanted to because she would have gone to the table with every retail that mattered and said, well, you tell me what you're going to do for Kylie to have my name in your store. Yeah. And they would have all broken their backs to bend over. Because she'd already built the brand. Well, she's going to drive. All retail is is feet, foot traffic. That's yeah, she's going to drive traffic to the store. That's all she's going to do. And, they, and people want to be able to go out and yell from the rooftops, well, we have it exclusively in this country. We have it here. We have it here. That's the only place you can get it from. And that's why she does it. She can also turn around and say to them, you're not going to get my new products. You'll get them when I give them to you. Yeah. Too bad. How does she sell that? It's fine. They've bought the scrub the first time I launched it in week one. And then in week 30, when they run out, they'll buy it from your store instead of from me directly. So get over yourself. The problem, if you go in first, is that the retailer goes, well, you can't go and sell on your website because we're not on sale. But then they don't call you. And then the next week, they go to 40% off and they don't care. If you're in David Jones, they'll discount the product and then have you pay for it. If they discount below their cost, they bill you. You serious? Yeah, they they bill you for going deeper than cost on their own the goods that they bought off you. They send you the bill. They don't care. Like they're not going to risk their business model. So I wouldn't go into retail nine times out of ten until I'm the guy that's going to drive people into their store. Yeah. Until they want me because I'm going to do what they want ultimately. And I have nothing against Dave Jones, Meyer, all these big guys who are doing this because that's how their business survives. They can't afford to take risks on a brand that no one's ever given a shit about, and then it tanks. And then they tank. That's not how yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're supporting however many other businesses. So I get why they've got to do it. But I think people see these big retailers as like the end goal, and that's the dream to be in them. There's a reason brands go in and out of these stores constantly. You know, as fast as Sephora launches brands, they dump. I think Sephora globally dumps 25 brands a day out of store. Like really? that's how fast things are flying back out the door. That they go categories over. You've you've burnt it. You're not good enough. They're constantly asking you to spend more money with them to promote. And then you and then it's a whole different business, right? Like it, it is literally a separate business within your business. You're then having to spend marketing dollars to promote that your product is in Sephora. Keeping in mind, you're promoting your product is in Sephora at half the cost that you would have got if you sold it directly to the customer. So now you're launching all these marketing campaigns to sell product at 50% of the cost. But if you don't market the fact that it's in Sephora, Sephora going to kick you out anyway because you didn't drive enough traffic to the store. Exactly right. So, so you don't so. want to put yourself in a position where you're constantly chasing your tail and trying to service a retail business who is very aggressive. And they, and they know what they're doing, right? They know exactly at what point you need to go, at what point you need to stay, how much you need to spend. They know all those answers. It's not their first rodeo. So all of a sudden you're aggressively trying to service that. So your eyes are off the prize. You're not working on your direct-to-consumer business. Now, that's very broad, right? It's different in different categories and different, you know, whichever sort of retail you're targeting. But generally speaking, it's not as good, which is not news to anyone. Everyone knows you're going to make more money direct against you, blah, blah, blah. But the risks to your business and operational perspectives is is too great, in my opinion. And also, if you're a small business, you can't afford to walk into all the different, you know, stores and whatever else and check, is my brand correctly displayed? Have they used the displays as directed? Do the staff have any idea? Are we educating the staff enough that they can actually sell our product? You know, all those pieces, it's impossible. 
when I was looking at James Cosmetics, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I could be wrong, I could be completely wrong here. But I, I didn't. I noticed that there wasn't like a kind of a subscription that you offered. No, it, because I, I I just thought if I was a woman, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I might I might be completely wrong with this. But if I'm a woman and I buy eye masks and I like eye masks, and I say and and you send me thirty sets a month, yeah, and and you get a box with like six six different types of you know tea tree whatever whatever sure. whatever yeah, could could that not be something that's that, that that's rebuild? All the time, oh, right? absolutely, and it's our business is a no-brainer for subscription. Problem is, it's it's give and take. So you're pulling from a perspective of when you're doing subscription, you're pulling money out of the customer without their permission month on month. The first time you got the permission, right? Right. Most customers will be fine. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to go, oh, I didn't know it was a subscription. Even though it's clearly said subscription, that's just the world yeah, we live yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be people who are going to go, oh, I can't afford it this month. You need to cancel. You go, well, you signed up for six months. Or, you know, there's all these pieces to it. It's a whole different business model. Right. But when you're pulling at that, you're then also risking brand. At the moment, right. I don't care. Brand is all that matters to me at the moment. Right, I okay. want people to know that that's the eye mask that they love. I want them to know that that's the one they're going to come back and purchase. I want to know that that's the one they're telling their friends about. I don't want to risk my brand in any way, shape, and form. It's the, why we start, the same way we staff our customer service, the same way we respond to our customers. Brand is all that matters to me at the moment because that's what I want to be really, really strong. I'm not at the stage yet where I need to start deploying tactics where I have to sort of go subscription will X, Y, Z on my net and my base and then this will improve this. I don't care about that number at the moment because the long-term value of the brand being absolutely impunable and just and, and clean for everyone is much stronger to me than the potential burn rate that we'll have of people who go, I've got fucking 3,000 eye masks now and I don't need them. Cancel that. I don't want to even hear from you guys again. Yeah, they get another yeah, email from they go, I, I've yeah. got so many of them. Yeah, at the moment their demand is what's driving it, right? So they run out of eye masks, they go, oh, I need to buy more. Yep. They don't have a bank of 15 there that they're going, fuck, there's so many of those. Turn that stupid subscription off. That's so... So for me, it's not the right time to be launching that as yet. Will there be a time? For sure, when it's convenient and it makes sense and the customer wants and whatnot. But one, we don't have the logistical resources in all it. the markets yep. to do it, yep. which is what we would need. But two, I wouldn't risk it for brand even if I had the logistics tomorrow. It's not right, worth okay, it right okay. now. A lot of people like subscription because it's a no-brainer. But again, it's and look, I've one of the people that I you know look to constantly for brand is Gymshark. Yeah, and you know Ben, great, who's great the founder brand, of that, yeah. who I know very well. We represent them through APAC, and I've known him since he was sewing labels in the back of shirts in London. Their whole mentality is every movement for brand. It's all for brand. It's all for brand all the time. You know, like he could have made an absolute mozza going into retail whenever he chose to. Any yeah. brand would have paid a fortune to have that brand. He said no. Turning down money left and right. Same as Emily Sky. If she didn't give a shit, she could have made millions out of skinny teas or diet pills or, you know, versions some rubbish, of some, some rubbish. rubbish. Yeah, anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Millions. I saw the offers. Boom bod. Yeah, wanted nothing <laughs> to do with any of them. You know, Fit Tea, all those guys. Yeah, they yeah. offered so much money. But she didn't want it. And that's, for me, it's... The lure of easy money in business sometimes takes you down a path that isn't worth being in. And for us, that's kind of where the brand is. I don't like the idea of our skew line isn't wide enough. Um, you know, the deep connection we have with our audience is there and it's growing versus not. You look at your loyalty figures, how often to repeat purchases, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like we saw our Black Friday last year was our biggest Black Friday in history. Obviously, the brand's growing, but the speed at which our customers, our existing customers purchased our launch product, having no idea what it is, right? And you've got to be humbled by this. We launched a product they'd never seen, never touched, had no idea. For the most part, don't know what any of the products But like because they, Because you've got their trust, they, they're just they literally to buy it. Yeah. And when they buy it and they try it and they loved it, now they go, that was amazing as well. What's next? Yeah. 
And those are the pieces to me that are more important. I just don't think that it's smart to be diving into a way that you can, any accountant would look at it or any uh, private equity company would look at it and go subscription tomorrow. You'd add 30% to your bottom line tomorrow, probably. But what did I shave off my brand at the top? But Idiots. Here's one thing I noticed that you did, and you'll, you, you'll be shocked that I know this, but you had a, 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 mask, a mask brush turn up that you weren't happy that you weren't happy with mm-hmm. and you had it redesigned to a thicker one because you weren't happy with the size of the handle do you remember yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Black Friday, yeah, yeah 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 and that that was one of the pieces in your black friday sale but you you just weren't the reason why you put that back was because obviously you weren't happy with the product so obviously you thinking exclusively there of the customer because obviously oh, that, that I, cost I go through the amount of products i go through you would have no idea we'd have 50 products i could launch tomorrow we'll never see the light of day not meeting the standard that I set for our customer, not meeting the standard that they set for us. The amount of stuff that comes through here and is not close, so it's got to go back. The brush, for example, I think we went through 30 brushes, all being yeah, 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 yeah. the final one that came to me, still not thick enough, went back again. The brush I knew nothing no about brushes, right? Yeah. But when I, when you showed the two brushes, yeah. I was like, okay, I get that. Huge Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't, I'm like, I don't use that type of face, but, but I understand what you're saying now. Yeah, you, and, yeah. and also it's it's like a watch, right? When, the one criticism you'll get from a fake watch is when you go to Bali or whatever else is the weight. Right. Like, you know, you buy a Rolex and whatever else, does it need to be that heavy? No. But heaviness equates to value. People think it's worth more. Right. The heavier it is. That's why they weight some of the watches down with certain things. Whereas you go to Bali, they're light as air because they're not like they're hollow in the middle and blah. those. It's those pieces that sell a luxury experience to people. Yeah, that's the same thing with our packaging. We spend a lot of time in our packaging, huge, far more than anyone else ever will. And no one, and I can't believe, I don't know why, the amount of bad packaging on the market is why people will never be as big as they want to be. Bad packaging is the worst possible outcome. And I've been told a million times by people, "Why do you care? It's ecom. They're not buying it off a shelf anyway." I get that constantly. I remember a time as well that you were complaining, because, even though the customer had never complained, but you were complaining personally because the invert on the pattern on the box was wrong. Was wrong. Yeah, completely you- wrong. The pink box, um, yeah, there's several of them. I mean, when I launched Black Friday two years ago, they couldn't get it. So I got on a plane and flew to China and sat in front of their designer and said, let me explain it to you. And got the head of production, the head of facility and everyone. Then I went to the factory and stood there and said to them, hello, what aren't you understanding? Explain it to me. Not your designer and then to my designer and then to someone else, to me. And that's how we fixed it. I got on yeah. a plane and flew to China. <laughs> and that's and the, a lot of people that, that ship products have never been to the factory that these products are produced in, never no. built that relationship with the, with the with the manufacturers. Yeah, but and that's that's about, again, that you can't build a big brand unless, it's the same in a service business, right? Like there's a reason that service businesses have a roof over them in terms of revenue, in my opinion. Yeah, because you're always gonna be capped out on a ceiling depending on the amount of um, feet and people you have in the office. Well, there's that piece, but there's also 90% of the time or 99% of the time, clients sign with us because of me. When I stop appearing in the meetings, there's a yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to know why I'm not yeah, there. Yeah I, yeah, I get that. There's a great, there's a it's more the same chance in my the, business. Yeah. Identical. Then there's a good chance the person sitting there is better than you, knows more about it than you. Who knows? But they want you because they want they've you. Seen, you, seen you. And that's the constant roof you've got over your head when you're talking about a service based business. And that's the problem. Yeah. Unless you're in the room, unless you're talking to the person, unless you know every piece of every campaign, every movement, they're disappointed. So sustaining that is the key balance, and that's where you can outpace in a product-based business. That's yeah, why yeah, yeah, yeah. You, that's why I have it. 
but it's the same concept still in terms of our products. We can't send one bad product because you send one bad employee to one bad meeting, the whole relationship can be soured. You have to sustain relationships with your customers in every single touch point. It all has to make sense. And I'm this, I'm crazy in every aspect. I'm crazy in the agency business. I'm crazy in the product business. When things aren't right, still, Every single piece of every single thing that goes out for James Cosmetics does not move without my approval. Everything that goes out of the building, every card, every piece of packaging, everything, nothing can move out of the building without me approving it. Every website change, every image, every campaign, everything, every word that's on the website goes through me. It's ridiculous. Because you want it to communicate exactly what you want it to communicate, yeah. Exactly. And that's why it's hard when you scale. It's hard when private equity buys a brand because then they go cut costs and they cut this department, they cut this department, they cut this department. Problem is at some stage they cut the guy or the girl who was sitting there every day going that that sentence there is an out brand. Change it. How did you – so – because you'll you'll be so – good at articulating this but how did you go about planning how the brand was going to look and feel and be from day one because the brand is me that's it there's no there's no plan you don't sit down and create an a4 document i'm the worst plan you'll ever meet that's i run at 100 miles an hour and run into as many walls as it takes so so because james the the name james came from your middle name right correct right so but ultimately so you've you've created this so it suits you, and then and then you're trying to attract customers like you that like what you like. Not even like me. It's everyone wants the same thing, like to a certain extent. When you're talking about skincare, they want results to start with. Something yep. that actually does something. If it's telling you it's going to give you something, it should give you something. Yeah. And they also want something that that is nice. Like I mean, look around. Everyone wants to be rich. Everyone wants yep. to be famous. Everyone wants yep. to. Be, everyone's got similar threads. Who wants ugly? packaging who wants products that don't look good like these yeah. days people want to be able to put it on instagram they want to brag about it. they want this they want that it's like i mean the the amount of social media content we got when we changed our packaging from australia post normal packaging to full custom packaging was substantial i think it was a 35 percent increase in social media content because when the box arrived people wanted to take a photo of the box saying i got this james box yeah and then you lift it up that's, the, bl- that's, the, bl- that's the black, the black one flip. the black one that flips open correct yeah and i also remember this is, this is how much deep. This is how deep I go into this, right? So I remember there's there, there's two sets of gold eye masks, and you were saying about the um, the depth of the color in this gold compared to this. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, and and I and, and I was like quite taken back with how deep you were going into the into. To me, when you when you held it up, I, I could tell the difference, but I couldn't tell the difference to the extent that you could. But when you explained it and articulated on a, on that you story, it. you can see what you're saying. And 100%. then when and then when I saw the actual product itself, when Joe showed me the actual product because he had the product, I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah, I get it. And it's and it's those infinite finite details that you've put in that have made it the success that it is. Hundred percent. It's brand. Yeah, and that's it's hard because it's hard to invest and it's hard to be really particular. But and that's where I think that people. It's the passion links, right? Like, I'm passionate yeah. about business, but the business can't be successful unless the brand delivers. Yeah. So that's why I care so much about the small little details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you have to. Yeah. It, you can't just think you're a mogul sitting in an office and it doesn't matter. It does matter because all that matters, no matter how good I am at numbers and, you know, forecasting and none of that matters, if when the box arrives, the customer goes, that doesn't look great. Yeah, It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As little things like knowing that we're a social media first brand, what would be aesthetically better would be having all my products, say my eye mask uniform, where all the boxes are white or all the boxes are grey and they have a splash of colour on it versus the entire box being a colour. 
problem is in an e-com first business, you have a glance while you're on the bus, maybe the story's not at full quality, maybe this, that and the other. I need you to know straight away that I, Martha Emily's holding up in that story is one you don't own. Right. So when she yep. holds it up and it's orange and you own pink, you know it's different. Yeah. Whereas if it's a single line and you happen to miss the part where she holds it up and she's moving, you go, I think I've got that. No, it's very clear when you hold it up now it's blue and you've got black. Like it, yeah. It's those types of things that you've got to be very thoughtful on. But for me, I'm, I've always been crazy in detail though. Like it's, it wouldn't matter what campaign you're talking about, what client you're talking about, no matter how big, no matter how small. The, the detail that goes in is impeccable. That's what that's where that's where yeah. the, that's where you think. But it's the same in everything. It's the campaigns are the same. I could yeah. sit in a meeting tomorrow with any single one of our clients and tell them exactly what's happening, even if I've been in none of the meetings. I know what is happening in all the campaigns, what's happening in all the shoots, I know all those things. I'm the level of detail you need to know, but that's because I'm obsessed with the business, and the business isn't successful without the detail being successful. So you can't. That's, you know, like it's, and the more people we hire, the more people look at it, the more people go like, you don't need to be involved in that. Like, I don't care if I need to be, I will be involved in it. Whether we could remove me from that process, I have to know that's, that that's going yeah, the way that it's going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a sickness, but uh, sure. So you've never, so you, so because of that, you've never been in the position then where you've, where you've seen something and you've gone, ah, oh, that's not past my desk and I'm not happy with that in the outside world, outside the office. What do you mean? So, like, if in terms of like, you've never looked at a product from James Cosmetics from the outside. Now it's gone out, gone out the factory. It's gone yeah. out. It's, it's gone out to the customer, and you've gone. Fuck, I'm not happy with that. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, you have, you 100%. have, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And that's it, and it's a, it's an assessment, right? I'm a business person, but you also need to get things out. Yeah, things yeah, have to go out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes a box will arrive, and I go, "That's at thirty percent transparency, and it was designed at 60. Yeah, what I, does what yeah. does that do here? And I go, hmm. Where is this going to cause problems? Yeah. How is this going to be? Then you make a critical assessment on it, and you go, "It's fine to go." Because I saw, th I saw that as well when you were talking about that. Because you were talking about the white lines, they were inverted the wrong way, and the transparency was the wrong. wrong. And you went into the detail about why that was wrong, why that was off brand, and it's just the the what I'm just learning from this, and and it just talks to you now is that the attention to detail that goes into doing e-com at the level that you're doing it at is is way beyond. When people drop ship products, man. Oh, it's, <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's that, you're talking fun. about a different league here. But, yeah, and it's funny. Emily and I, Emily Declan and I, had a conversation probably two years ago where I said to them, "We need to decide what sort of business we're running here. Are we selling products? We're we building a brand." Yeah, I can do either. It doesn't bother me, but it's one or the other because it's a very different conversation. Yeah, you find the new hot product and you like these new battery packs, the new um, thing that are probably going to start exploding now. These um, which Apple's now building, but the MagSafe batteries that attach magnetically to the back of your phone, um, and they sit that you have to plug them in. They're wireless, but they're MagSafe, so they're magnetic. So on the new phones, it's literally a pack like this size. Thinner, yeah, and it just sits there. You just continue about your day. It won't fall off when you pick the phone up. Right. Okay. okay. Apple's currently building it. And if you're a dropshipper right now and you want to bring these products, that's in, what you should be doing. It sounds like this is what you should be selling. That's uh, like that's literally what you should be selling. That's literally the most important thing. But uh, like right now, I, I truly believe that if you can move fast enough. But that, for example. Who gives a fuck if you've got a battery brand? No one. You're not building yeah, Energizer yeah, yeah, yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I would never build a brand around that. You would bring them in and move them out as fast as possible with whichever Chinese logos on them. Who cares? Get them out the door. Yeah. That's what I would be doing. But it's very different than if you're looking at cosmetics and skincare and whatnot. People like to align themselves with the brand. But at the same time, you could also just find a, you know, for a while, the, you know, those laser uh, hair removal devices and things like that. Yeah. Those brands, it's tough, right? Don't get me wrong. Doing phenomenal and good for them. But. How do you skew wide? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would argue that the brand is somewhat irrelevant. It yep. doesn't matter. Because they're buying it to lose the hair. 
they're not buying it because they trust your brand. Yeah, because because with with James and with everything you've built in relation to that, yes, you started off with eye masks as your as your like a key point of difference in terms of what you were doing. At we time. started off with a results driven eye mask. So when you put my eye mask on, it will yeah. reduce fine lines, wrinkles, it will reduce dark circles, etc. It was results driven. Yeah. So now when I bring out a moisturizer, it's the customer goes, driven. "Oh, it'll work too." Yeah. Problem is when you bring out a laser hair removal machine. I don't know. Can you bring out a face one? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's not on brand either, is it? Because you, you're talking about that, that's that, that's a different line of product. Now you're talking. So about I'm talking about if you're a, like for the companies who are selling. Yeah, that yeah, product, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're building a brand around it. Yeah. The problem is you can't skew out from what you know. Take High Smile for example, right? Yeah. Their brand is whiter teeth. Yeah. That can be toothpaste. It can be uh, the device. It can be. There's a whole heap of things that can make your teeth whiter and appearance yeah, whiter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas yeah. the hair removal machine. If it was me, I wouldn't have cared what brand was on it because you can only sell a hair removal machine. That's it. Yeah. There's not then a face version under this version. It's just one version for your legs and whatever else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Whereas yeah. with me, for skincare, if I can get you to trust that my brand will deliver results, I can release every product under the skincare category in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you'll and keep you believing that. And, and yeah, as long as you keep, as long as you keep delivering, you've got you've got something that scales. That's why you build a brand. And I w- I'm just hazarding a guess here, but this brand James is built to sell in the future. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to answer. To be honest, I, I really don't know. It will depend on where the market is at the time. When I, if I consider selling it, if I don't, I don't really. I wouldn't say it's being. If you were asking me if I'm building it right now to sell, the answer is no. I'm not doing what you should no, be doing to sell. But what? But what I'm saying is the systems and the processes and the and the back end that you're putting in place allows it to be a saleable asset. Sure. In the future. Oh, it's definitely saleable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely yeah. saleable. But I'm not building it as a saleable asset. Yeah, I'm not saying you want to sell it. Per se, I'm just saying that it. You, you, oh, I just, it want, I just want. I just want people to know that when you build thing, the way that you build things and the way that you concentrate on brand allows that to be a saleable asset. Correct. Whereas a lot of people these days are building businesses where they're they capped in or this or you can't exit because of this and this reason. So 100%. I just wanted people to understand that on the podcast. You know oh, a hundred percent. And that if you build a brand, it can be acquired because yep. when a private equity company buys a brand. It's, they're, they're just a bigger business than you, a private equity company. So they have to go, if we buy it for X dollars, how do we make 10 times that money? So then you need to have that answer if you want to sell an asset. So that's when you need to have a, you know, and that's why when people buy, private equity companies buy big brands, it's pretty easy to see where they're going next and people are shocked by it. It's pretty simple to see. They need to be able to 10X it. You know what a private equity company can't do? 10X digital sales. Yeah. There's no private equity company in the world that's worked that out yet. Maybe Sequoia Capital, but there's very few that are able to. So nine times out of 10, say for my brand, if I sold tomorrow, or Kylie Jenner is the best example, Coddy, who purchased 51% of Kylie Cosmetics, what did they do as soon as they bought it? What's been the change in Kylie Cosmetics since she sold to now? She's in every retail door on fucking planet Earth. That's all they know how to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all they did was put her in retail, and that'll 10x their sales. Right. Easy, overnight. Kylie, how does she, the logistics- Why didn't she do that herself though, Sam? Too expensive. Way too expensive. So, so you're saying they just plugged it into their network? Which they is already put products in. Use domestic examples, but if you want to go into David Jones or to Maya, I mean, she's in um, Mecca here. How do you get it to the localized warehouse through the customs there, and then once it goes there into the store to make sure the stores are being checked, yep. to make sure it's displayed correctly, to make sure that the Kylie Pink is correct? It's at the front of the store like they promised it would be, and that it's not next to this brand. They said that it couldn't be near. And how did, how did she check all that? She has yep. a physical person walk into Mecca. Yeah. And who's that person? 
she can't afford to have people in every region checking every store. Yeah. Cody can because they've already got people checking their other brands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. obviously they own about 16 brands. They in own that, a million. Yeah, yeah, in, the, in that brand. That's that store, what private yeah. equity does. So you've got to make sure that you leave gaps, which is another reason where I wouldn't consider retail at the moment. Talk to me about the sales process then, while whilst we're on the private equity um, line. You, you you and Emily made the decision that you were selling um, Emily Skyfit to private equity. Yes. Talk me through how that came about and obviously how that was, ex like how, how you executed that so that people can understand that process. Um, so it's, to my knowledge, it's the, the only deal of its kind that's ever been done in the history of the world with an influencer. Um, no one's ever done it before. No one's done it since. In terms of selling the, the IP around a person in, right. that in, the, in the influencer world. I don't know if another influencer's ever done it. But the idea behind that deal was that Emily had was selling PDF programs and wanted to go to the next level. And in order to do so, we wanted to leverage what she had into a larger uh, scenario, if you will. Um, and so that made sense. It's quite hard to touch on the key reasons or benefits without breaching the non-disclosure yeah, yeah, yeah. that I have yeah, yeah. Um, as to why we ultimately did the deal. But it's a uh, it's an extremely complicated deal in it's it's not as simple as they bought this off Emily it's extremely complicated as to how and why we sold so one of the one of the tennis players um what's a tennis player in England who owns all the gyms what's, what's that gym chain called um David David um anyway he he's he's he oh, said not the body coach no no no, no that's uh, no no that's um that's oh, that's another one. Not for and I can't yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the, he he's he saw he said that one of his big. I watched him on a podcast. He said one of the biggest regrets that he did was he sold the, the the rights to his full name. But what you're saying is you've not sold the rights to the full name. You've sold the rights to a certain category for that name, right? Couldn't say. Right. Okay. 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 But but yes, that's 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 kind of where we're going with it. Right. Okay. Well. We'll move on then. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's ironclad agreements yeah, yeah, that uh, yeah, yeah. prohibit me from answering certain questions. But yeah, yeah, sorry, it's, mate, um, sorry. It's a very unique deal, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know of anyone else who's done it in the world. Right, in the okay. influencer category. Celebrities, sure. So then that takes us on to like you coming into the, into the world of James Charles now. Yeah. I mean, what were you looking after him on a on a PR standpoint at that no. particular time or how did you come about into working with James obviously he's massive on he YouTube is, yeah. and um, I've known him for a couple of years we brought him to Australia in 2018 no 2019 the first time he appeared at Pacific Fair for Beauty Weekend which was um, a concert we put together with Pacific Fair for AMP Capital their owners were clients um, we had him appear at that which was super successful uh, then we had him come back the year after and open up the first ever Sisters Apparel store in the world. Um, and then I just sort of got to know him over the over the years and whatnot. And again, what he was looking to do was to create more business structure around what he had as opposed to licensing deals and things like that. He wanted to have businesses. And so that's sort of what attracted him to wanting me. So he asked me to do it and there was some back and forth. And then, oh, excuse me, ultimately we agreed to do it. Um, but yeah, it's again, it's whilst it is typical management day to day, uh, it's also very much um, a business. Yeah. So, so he, he wanted to, he wanted to go from being that influencer person that that made clips of tickets to owning the actual physical business behind Correct. the clip of the ticket. Yeah, and there's yeah. So there'll be, I don't know, by this time next year, we'll have launched six new companies under him. I would say. And can you give us any insights into into what? Every Into category. Every oh, ca cosmetics. Cosmetic category, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah, well, yeah. that's one of the categories. There's and five that, others. And that's the beauty of knowing 
what you know about James Cosmetics is that teaches you things that allows you to launch his businesses and know that he's very quick very quickly. and to be able to move things and the needle faster in terms of understanding uh, formulations logistics of movements um, habits how I was able to look at his existing infrastructure and understand where all the leaky holes were and what the gaps were and how to fill those gaps and do it faster and not have to do it myself but have an existing team that helps and I presume, I presume then you, you, you as a businessman are partnering with these people and having a, a, a certain equity stake within within that brand that you create, rather than just saying you're just doing it for them. Correct. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's how you're obviously scaling it out. Well, look, I, I you know, you can. I mean, it depends who you ask, but you can never have too much money. But I wouldn't get involved in something that was. Uh, based on a simple, um, you know, fee for service transaction yeah. anymore. If it was me personally, it's yeah. different if it's the agency and there's staff. But the the workload from James, for example, sits ninety percent with me. So I wouldn't use my, I wouldn't exchange my time for a fee anymore. I simply yeah. can't. Equity is um, equity is the only play when you get to the level that you're at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I understand because right. because obviously they, that the the intellectual property and and all that kind of stuff that you get to participate in is where that is where the true the true money is in the future and obviously the 100%. true value the, yeah there's there's no money in swapping your time your time for a service and all this well it's, it gets to a point it's a it's a it's a business thing right and this is where it's where that age-old saying comes from and it's uh, you know a funny joke on tiktok and whatever else but where like you know money doesn't buy happiness and the people say like i'd rather cry in a ferrari right like that's the, yeah, 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 yeah the idea is that Money, in fact, does buy happiness, right? That, that's the, the secret, I think, to the whole thing. Of course, it buys happiness to an extent. The problem is it's short-term, interchangeable happiness yeah, yeah, that yeah. eventually you realize is shallow and hollow. That's the problem. But it does buy it. Everyone feels happy when they go and buy a Ferrari. You yeah. know, I, I'm sure I'm, you know, the fact that I don't fly economy makes me happy. That That's just the truth of it. Yeah. Econ- I don't want to sit back economy, economy is shit. <laughs> I just don't, you know, that's the fact that I don't have to I would, does make me happy. I actually would love to film you flying economy. <laughs> look, I would, I've done it. Look, and look, this, you've I never flown economy in your life. I have. Air HRX is a middle seat photo never, of me, I'm, Amy on one side, Courtney on the other, sleeping on me, and I was in the middle of an Air Asia flight. Let me tell you, straight you, to Thailand I was going. Rip. Tough, tough at the top. Can anyone, if if anyone can put a photo up of Sam, I think it's on Facebook. No way, there's not a chance on this earth if you ever flew economy. I don't believe it, and I won't have it. I was, I was there. <laughs> there was the days. Look, and there's still days, obviously, when you've got like you know what I mean. If, and if it's for work, I couldn't care less. I'll fly baggage hold. If I have to get to Sydney for a meeting, that doesn't matter. Like, and that's that's the difference here, right? Like. If, we, if we're hosting an event, like we host a Gymshark event, if cords have to be taped to the floor, I'm the first guy taping them on the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, the yeah. opposite of the person who'll say, like, where are these people? Where are these? And that's what everyone thinks I am. That's very much my perception from outside the building. Well, because you talk on Instagram about lift etiquette. Lift? Well, that's important, though. <laughs> are you fucking joking? What? When the doors open and then people are shocked when they're standing there to try and get in that the people are inside... The premise of an elevator is that it carries people up and down. Why are you so shocked when the doors open? There's people inside. That's the whole purpose of the system. I, I, that drives me nuts. But I'm the first guy to tape something down to lift boxes. To I mean, yeah. we had a, we had a shipment arrive Black Friday. Literally, this Black Friday just yeah. Arrived. I watched it. All the staff were in there. All the staff were in. But we had a um, we had a shipment arrive. A container arrived, and what I needed was our set packaging out of this container at the back. And it was the very back of it. Yeah. And so everyone was like, oh, if we maybe, I was like, this is a nightmare. So I, it's actually these shoes. I get in with my loafers, climb to the very back of this container at 5,000 degrees and start throwing boxes to my father, my 65-year-old father, who's at the front, handing them then off to the all of the 
warehouse packing he, stuff. He also needs your your uh, moisturizer. <laughs> Literally, that's exactly right. And it was me in the back of the container throwing boxes down to my dad, who was then handing them down. Yeah, there's yeah. no job I won't do if it's for the success of the for, business, for I, the benefit. Yeah, 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 and that's. How you run a good business with good staff. Actually, though, there is a job that you will not do, and it caused a bit of a riot. Removing spiders? No, 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 no. You offended a lot of people on TikTok with having... Oh, the red frogs. Yeah, the red frogs. it's funny. It's Jess's idea. Was it really? It's all her. So I copped it. So there was a TikTok video that went viral of Sam's, where his PA, Jessica, English girl, that's that's why good he English did, girl. yeah that's why she very good English girl very very elegant woman and she was tasked by Sam with putting the red frogs yeah into the it was quite the debate so yeah. Jess and I quite enjoy the the fit out of the office componentry and I had this bar cart and I we I basically arrived at the idea that I'm not going to drink in the office it's not like I don't mind a drink here and there but I'm not a big drinker by any stretch of it and so I thought I can go and spend probably two grand putting alcohol in this thing that will just go off in the heat on the weekend when there's no staff here yeah so it's kind of ridiculous and I'm never going to sit at my desk one day and crack a martini that's never <laughs> like how ridiculous so then I thought well that's no good so I thought what's actually something that's usable and a bit of fun was lollies we're like oh lollies would be great yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we were both like but they have to be one color so I was like that's fine red licorice red frogs and we should have maybe like you know a jaffa or something of that so perfect go to look at it red licorice not available to buy anywhere so then jess goes what about if we do snakes and i was like yeah that's gonna ruin the vibe because it's not gonna be and she's like oh I'll just pick all the red ones out I was like, whatever that was the end of it I, I, and then yeah. adam who's in charge of my content he then i didn't even see, like i have no idea adam filmed the whole thing it's all done separately you i have voiced no it. idea you, you did the voice then they gave it to me <laughs> that i voiced it and thought that was funny yeah. not funny people really got riled up over i'm a misogynist i yeah. how day i mean aside from all those things as if that's the hardest job people are being asked to do in the world he yeah. pulls snakes out of a bag i didn't even ask her to do it but i still think surely that's not that bad what world are we living in where that's a crime yeah. Really, it, it was it was a funny bit of content though, because uh, I I remember another video that you made after that, and it was like uh, you were saying no because I'm the slave driver, and it, literally yeah, that yeah, I was like build yeah, right yeah, into yeah, it yeah, stuff. Build, you build right into it, but but TikTok's a funny thing, you know. As a misogynist, one day, then the next day, I've got people sending me messages saying, "Can I work for you?" So it's like the, the visibility on prior content seems to be nil. Like yeah. people don't seem to be actually investing, going onto your profile and looking at old videos. They don't care. They're watching whatever's in front of them, responding, moving on. Do you know what That's though? It. Right been been massive i only gave i had 250 followers on tiktok didn't hardly use it didn't yep. hardly post i thought to myself the other day my mate goes to me you should really start to actually have a go at this tiktok thing should, yeah. right so i started to have a go a thousand followers in, in literally like three days yep. right another thousand followers on top and the the, the podcast analytics have gone gone for roost because people go in clicking the profile going to frankly.com listening to the podcast it's, yeah. it's been it's been really good but what i've noticed about tiktok is especially with the comments it's either like they hate you, and you're like they just want to smash you, or they're just saying really positive things. There's no, there's no middle ground. On t- there's no middle ground on TikTok. But the same person who smashes you on video two could say the be- most beautiful thing to you on video That's four. Great. And I'm like, Angela, you need to calm down, love. What are you like, doing, babe? You got, you got a split personality, Angela. Yeah. Because you need to fucking calm down. Well, I, I mean, I was looking at some of the comments, and I was just like, I couldn't breathe. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny, and people get so riled up about it. And it's, but we also live in a different world now. When I first started my Instagram years ago, and started sort of putting out the content that I put out, I think I've built a, a group of people who get the joke. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. joke, the, the ongoing joke is that I'm the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. I'm the princess, that I'm the precious one. Like, that's the actual joke. Like, yeah. the fact that it's like when people comment on my, if they're new to the page and they're like, I, you must live a sad life that you're so bothered about cyclists. 
I don't actually care. I yeah. just think it's a funny observation that when you're driving behind a cyclist and they're being a fucking idiot, that they're fucking idiots. Yeah. Well, but I, I don't wake up in the middle of the night and go, oh my God, I'm so stressed over that. But I don't mind them being a cyclist, but one, like, why would you wear Lycra? That's not a vibe. It's Aerodynamics, not- mate. That's why you don't have any hair. Aerodynamics. <laughs> 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 you done me. <laughs> hey, Aerodynamics. Do, do you know what, right? It's not, it's not, it's not as bad as uh, the way Courtney did me the first time I was here. <laughs> hey, while we're on this oh, topic, literally, yeah. right, what was this, about eight, nine months ago, I thought to myself, oh, you know what? I need to I need to meet a nice elegant woman so I'm not going to go I'm not going to meet one on Tinder because that's not where you meet nice elegant women it's is not, it I, so I thought what's the next thing you got Hinge or you got Bumble so I thought you know what Bumble because women select first and this that, and the other right yeah it's the yeah. Lo- logical thing right so I literally signed up to Bumble this was like t- uh, like t- four o'clock right four o'clock on a on a Wednesday or some stupid stupid shit right we the wild ones come in here to do a podcast in your mm. studio do a podcast there with Courtney at the door they're on Bumble this is like twenty past four. They're swiping on Bumble. Oh, oh, Frankie comes up. I got properly mugged off. Properly mugged off. Like, who would date this guy? You know what I mean? Oh, like, no. literally got... got Poor pro- Lucy. Pro- properly got smashed in front of, like... I think it was, like, 450,000 followers. My DMs are getting lit up on Instagram. And I'd, I literally... And then five... And then I got sent by about 60 people. I had to, had to get... Had to, had to bin Bumble. <laughs> so I had Bumble for a total of half an hour. And got, and great experience. And, and, great experience. And 450,000 people saw me get smashed and rejected <laughs> by three women in your doorway. Uh, literally in the doorway. Yeah, yeah, literally yeah, 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 the doorway. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, and, uh, my God. Those and, uh, two are wild. I, truly, their name yeah. was up to them. That was a rough, rough day. That, that, mate, mate, that was a rough day for a ball guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'd only, just, I only, I'd only just got over hair loss, and then the next thing you know, I was, get, I was getting pinned just by beat. social media celebrities. I was like, great. And I thought to myself, of all the people that you attack online, you don't attack the content removal guy, because you're going to need him, right? That's exactly you're, you're right. They'll call one day, yeah, 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 and you'll just tell them, get fucked. Yeah, yeah, I'll be like, get fucked, girls. You know CC I mean? you, this day. You, you roasted me. You roasted the content removal guy on the... In the doorway, you did a new uh, a new business now, content editions. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, just yeah. Honestly, drum uh, up some content. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it, mate. You you probably cooked me. That's tough. The, the one the one question I have to ask you though before we, before we leave this podcast because I know we I know how busy you are, but yeah, like one obviously you're you're a proud proud gay man, and obviously that's that's by the by, but has has being a gay man in this industry ever affected you and stopped you getting opportunities or, or caused you any dramas? Because like I, I feel like when I was when I was in the UK, um, a few of my a few of my friends in boxing were, were gay but didn't come out until after the sport was finished because obviously yep. they, there was so much um, stigma around it and this and the other. And I just wanted to obviously get your views and opinions on it. Yeah, look, I mean, sure, you know, proud gay man, sure. I, I'm. I consider myself whilst a member of the club. I, I, I don't know. I've got I wasn't the, trying to say. Like they, they sent out yeah. the pack. I do have the pack. Yeah. Uh, no, I think, but I wouldn't be at Mardi Gras. So I think that to give context to people who yeah. listen to this who probably don't know me personally, I wouldn't be there. Are you saying you wouldn't be in the PVC Swiss suit? No, I wouldn't. Even, <laughs> there you go. With the cutouts. No, I, I wouldn't be there. Oh, um, <laughs> you no, filthy I, animal. Bro, you didn't even take it down there. Like, so I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be, I'm not that person, for example. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be on the float. I wouldn't be, you know, whatever else. That's just I not who I am. I wouldn't be on the float, but I'd be the BR guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. I'll claim that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I wouldn't, I'm not that person. So for me, I would say that there would be some meetings where I would take, depending on the context, especially if you're, legal private equity negotiation a lot of those meetings and whatnot we i was hazard to guess most people would leave and wouldn't know 
or wouldn't yeah, even yeah, yeah. raise the question yeah, 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 yeah. as to whether I was or wasn't. You, you don't get in those conversations obviously in those rooms. Yeah. There are people who wouldn't. I mean, I know that we negotiated Emily's Reebok deal um, where she was one of the global faces of Reebok um, alongside Gigi Hadid. And I think we were in that deal for a year and it wasn't until we were talking about something and someone asked me in the room, all this room of senior executives and Emily and Deck were there. Um, and one of the guys said to me something about marriage. And he goes, um, are you going to get married to, to your girlfriend at some stage in the near future, Sam? Yeah, and obviously he'd heard yeah. Emily say that I had a partner. And so yeah, he just made yeah, the yeah, assumption. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I said, uh, maybe back, um, maybe at some stage, but at this stage it's not legal because um, it's oh, actually a boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guy he was from like um, North Carolina or something like that, the nicest guy ever and not, you know, not holding a fence or anything. He just died inside. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, just yeah, yeah. white you, face. You, just, you just don't know what to say when you walk into something like that. Of course. And I'm, it, it's, Near impossible to offend me, quite possibly impossible, but it have to be near impossible to offend me. And so I didn't bother me at all. And I actually thought the whole thing was quite funny because I thought in this room, in this context with these types of people, this is going to really be a funny situation for the poor guy. So I said, and he sort of just died all inside. So I don't really, um, we all laughed about it. It was fine or whatever else. And we moved on, but I've never really been, um, you know, someone who's overtly gay, I guess, and I don't know what the right language is. I'm, I'm a bad member, but I don't know what the right <laughs> language is, but I'm not overtly gay in situations. Yeah, yeah. Certain situations, sure. If I've had a few too many drinks and it's a Saturday this night, lift etiquette, finger. Lift etiquette let me the tell you a story. Finger. If I get going on a toggle like that, then yeah. you know instantly. The, the, as, soon instantly. As, as soon as the finger comes out, I you know, know. I know you're on the wall. The way I drink tea too, it could be English. Uh, yeah, but, no, and, um, you put, and you put the finger out. <laughs> that's you exactly do, right. Yeah, so I think probably... I haven't had it as maybe as as egregious as some people would, and I think it's important to make that point. We think a lot of people have probably gone through a lot more difficult than I will ever have. Yeah. For me, I almost think there's been an advantage to it in a lot of different ways. I mean, in the PR industry that that I sort of started in, if you will, a lot of the people who are in control of brands' marketing budgets are females, and I have felt like being gay has allowed me probably to have a an easier connection yeah, 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 yeah. with those women because it's not it's this day and age of PC it's hard to navigate the right language to use but so I'll offend someone here but I do think there's um, a culture where it's hard if it's a straight male and a female you don't know what's appropriate what's inappropriate what you can do and what you can't do I can very quickly from first meeting someone to getting to know them very quickly because that barrier doesn't exist. Yeah, There's yeah, not an uncomfortability yeah, yeah, yeah. around, oh, I've already got a boyfriend, boyfriend's unoffended by me, being close to you, yeah, husband's yeah, unoffended. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, females generally I feel like are a lot more um, conducive to having a, you know, a social conversation in that situation with someone who's gay. So I think that there's it's just been easier in a lot of ways to get to know people and create a rapport really quickly um, that maybe a straight male wouldn't have had in that world. And so it's almost been an advantage in a lot of ways. When we're dealing in, you know, in in a world where you might consider it to be a problem. I mean, I'm, I mean, I represent Quade Cooper, for example. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, you know, um, boxer, a boxer, boxer, rugby. You know, rugby, very, very well known internationally. Negotiation of contracts and things like that. It's just, I've, it's just never been even something that I sit there and even consider. I, it just, I'm there to do a job and I do the job and I leave. It's never been. It's never been brought into question or it's anything like that. It's never been yeah, brought yeah. into question. I've never, and, and again, I'm not someone who offends easily or can be made uncomfortable very easy. So I can't recall of any scenario where it's ever happened, but I'm sure that maybe there'd be a situation which maybe could have been, you know, like there'd be some people who, for example, if you're sitting in a room and someone, I mean, not that it really happens at a, for someone who's older, but if you're in a room and someone said, oh, that's so gay about, you know, something being, you know, bad, you know, when you're yeah, younger, yeah, people yeah, use that term. Yeah. I'm not someone who'd then be like, excuse me. 
that's yeah, yeah. I'm like I don't care. Yeah, yeah, you're, I know you're, what you meant. You're not looking to be offended. Never. But, but there, there are some people. Plenty. There are some people, um, and you termed it in in the club, right? Oh, that, that look for oh. the offensive point. And there's people in every mean? club who are looking for. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Whether you're straight, talk or, about a vegan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're looking constantly. They're, they're just looking constantly to be offended. There's plenty of people who are looking to be offended, and who's they'll a, find it. Who, who's a vegan? Who here? No one's vegan, are they? Oh, there's plenty of them. Mate. You know, walk be. outside, they'll tell you. No, i tell you how you know a vegan. Look at me, I'll get it, 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 I'll tell you how I know a vegan. It's the little two two green leaves you see in the in the profile picture on Instagram, oh, on the profile. Straight in the bin. Straight, straight, straight in the bin. Straight what? In the bin. But, and that, again, you'll see some people out there who've got the rainbow flag in their bio. You've got some people, you know. Hold on, hold on, hold on, look at these. Oh, someone, he looks. So, so, oh, he's got it on so, the back of the shoe. Someone, someone asked me if if the oh, that's <laughs> your the, guy. There you go if, for if, the if shoes. These, if these were like celebrating Mardi Gras, I was like, mate, it's it's a tag on the back of a pair of Adidas. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Didn't like, know what I was buying. Apparently, <laughs> I so look. Some people, like yeah. you said, some people are looking to be offended constantly. Some people are. Yeah, I'm not that person. Now, mind you, there are some people who have paved the way for gay people, for women, for, you know, African-American yeah. people, for whatever, who have been offended by things, and that's why we've been able to move the needle forward, right? Like, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Th the whole reason they stood up and said, get fucked, when people say, like, that's so gay, that's the reason that now we, gay people can be married in this country. So there's a place for it. It's just I'm not the person who's ever going to be offended by that. I'm not looking to be offended by that. I'm all for gay rights and whatnot. But I, I'm very pragmatic in the way that I approach yeah, things, yeah, yeah. like gay marriage, for example, where the, the debate got into this hugely emotional, supercharged thing. Now, I get why it's emotional for people, right? Like it's you know inequality and there's you know, human rights and all these things, right? Obviously, gay people should be able to be married. I think it's ridiculous. Problem is the arguments were all no, – there was no pragmatic argument. No one was standing up and asking the question of – could someone explain to me why we're asking or having on a panel a priest or anyone religious? Because to clarify, marriage is what's legislated in the legislature. That's what's in the Marriage Act. Yep. Unfortunately, many years ago, we used the title marriage. We took it from the Catholic Church. We took the title. We popped it on legislation. The second we put it on legislation, it's none of your fucking business anymore. It's a law. When we go and we change the Advertising Standards Bureau and the Criminal Code, do we call the Archbishop of Who Gives a Fuck and check if he's okay with that? No. It's none of their business because it's the law now. Yeah, We're yeah, debating yeah, yeah. the law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the church says you can't get married here because you're gay, absolutely fine. It's your institution. Do what you want. I'm sure we wouldn't let two priests come in and do a sermon in some sort of gay nightclub. So I have no issue with that. But the debate turned to this emotionally charged ridiculousness from both sides. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, just their side. Yeah. The outside was being ridiculous. But the conversation should have been, we don't want your opinion, anyone related from the, the church. It, it, just because the word's the same, you don't own it anymore. We put it on the act. Yeah, 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 yeah. If just, you've got a problem. Just because it's marriage doesn't mean it's owned by one religion. Do you know no. what I mean? Do you know what I mean? The problem is the second we put it on the yeah. front of legislation, yeah. that's a federal act. Yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. law. Yeah, yeah. We don't sure. ask for permission to change laws for anyone. It's a parliamentary decision. And that's where I think it's – that's where the the debate turns so – and then it turns so nasty very quickly because all these people got involved. And the problem is they have no business being involved. It's not a religious decision. If yeah. we were changing a religious doctrine, fair enough. No rights. It's your institution. Do what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but this is the laws of our country. Yeah. What's, what's the business of yours? I have the same standing to whinge about something as – the priest does this, that, and the other, but why are we asking for permission? Everyone has the right 
to happiness, right? Yeah. And and if happiness is you be your partner being another male, that's that's then who should have an opinion on but that? But you know the problem is there, even with that argument, right? Like when you talk about happiness, we're not talking about happiness. We're talking about law. I, I, There's no I, I emotion know. in that. I, I know, I know, I know. And that's the issue. But we have a law that says everyone's treated equal. This yeah. law is starkly in contrast of that. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like in America, right? They didn't legalize gay marriage. They struck down that it was illegal. The right. Supreme Court said this law making gay marriage illegal is unconstitutional. They didn't say let's vote on it being a law passed. They said this is unconstitutional. That's the point. You can't say whether it's someone's going to be happier or sadder or it's going to this or it's going to the, the fabric of society. It, it's a law. We've got one that says everyone must be equal and we've got one that is clearly making people you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. not equal. Yeah. Therefore, it has to go. It's the law. It has to be black and white. And that's the problem. You don't go into court and start this big emotional plea where you bring up people and go, he's unhappy. Judge is going to go, shut up. I don't care. What's the legal argument? No, yeah. And that to me is the issue. Everyone got on these talk shows and, you know, these nightly programs and panels and stood there and had these emotionally charged arguments. And no one went, quick question, are we still debating a law? Why are we talking yeah, yeah, about yeah, all this yeah, stuff? Don't, it's not don't, relevant. don't get an emotional charge. You can't. It. It's not relevant. Yeah, yeah. And if you stood in front of a judge, they'd tell you the same thing. Don't bring into you, the courtroom any of all this baggage here. That's not relevant. You bring in a legal argument. You're asking to change the law, so we'd like a legal argument as to why it should or should not be changed. And no one from the religious movement or the far right turned up and had anything to say about the law. They just kept banging just, on about how the fabric of society would be ruined and how you can't have kids raised by... What relevance is that? That's not the question we're asking. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're asking for the law to be changed, and they're changed every day. When yep. we change, well, Laws are changed constantly. Advertising yep. standards, codes, all these things. Where is everyone? Nowhere, because it's a law. That's the problem. The issue happened many years ago when they took the name. If they hadn't have used the word marriage, this wouldn't have been an issue. But they used the word marriage because it came from the church. I get the confusion, but it's not the same thing. Yeah, no, I, and I, I love, I love the, I love the, the way that you've clarified it, and so everyone can understand it. Do you know what I mean? Well, and to me, I was just thinking, well, if that, if that was what makes them happy, that's what makes me happy. But I, I never really took on the context of the law of the way that you've, you've yeah. spoken about. It. I've never really thought about that. I've exactly. just, thought, I just personally thought I was like, if they're happy, they're happy. Exactly. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, and if they're fine. not happy, they're not happy. So like that's 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 it. I've never really had an opinion on it one way or the other. Like yeah. in terms of like trying to get into the law side of things, I yeah. just wanted to. I I just like if they are happy as a couple, then yeah. let them be happy. That's and, it. And for me, when you're trying to convince someone to come to your side of the table, you won't convince them by yelling and screaming and you know rolling out some sad couple or some you know sad family. That's not going to convince anyone. That's what really bothers me about those situations. If you're trying to com- convince someone, compel them to come to your side of the argument, which ultimately is what's happening, right? Yeah. There's a group of people in the country who are going to vote yes for gay marriage no matter what happened. Yep. There's a group of people who are going to vote no no matter what happened, right? Like, that's their positions. Forget all them. They're pointless anyway. It's like Liberal and Labour. You've got this centre group of people who can be moved either way. And so the far right was using all these, like, danger tactics. Like, the whole world will melt if we legalise this. Oh, dear Lord. And the left was just, like, the same thing. It's happiness. Like, what are you doing? Like, everyone has deserves the right, this, that, and the other. What they should have been doing, in my opinion, is neutralising all of it and saying... We're not asking you as someone who may be uncomfortable, which is fine. You might be uncomfortable ticking, I'm for gay marriage. Maybe you just, it's just not who you are and you don't want to tick that. Remove the emotion from the conversation and say to them, we're asking you to assess critically. There's two laws here, right? One says everyone's equal and one says that they're not equal. This law here is the superseding law. It's the constitution. Could you just assess 
We're not asking you. It's it's irrelevant. We're not asking you to consider in any way. Asking your opinion. We're just asking you if it's lawful. Yeah, that, it's a law, and we, we'd like to change it. We'd like to update to make sure that they're meeting a standard. Can you please clarify? And if I think people and the group of people who are uncomfortable ticking yes, approve gay marriage, if you've explained it to them in a way that made it sound like we're not asking for your opinion or anything, we're asking you for a legal clarification. Do you feel that this is inconsistent with the law? You would get a lot more yes votes. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. about whether you feel that gay men should be able to have a yeah. child or adopt or that's not relevant. The yeah. relevance is, is the law inconsistent with what is drafted in our constitution? And do you know what? I've, I've, I voted yes, but I voted yes on, on that. I just wanted other people to be happy yes. rather than I've never thought of it. Like you've just articulated. Yeah. Well, so no I'm one glad, did. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad, I, I'm glad I asked you for clarification yeah. on it because like I've never, I've never ever heard it articulated that way before. It's Cause no one articulate. And that's why I don't understand. Yeah. For the first time ever, we had an open conversation about the law. Well, it wasn't country. open. It wasn't an open conversation. Was it? Because, because that point has never been articulated. No. So th- th- cause th- you only invite people onto a show that are going to create ratings. Yeah, yeah. And so we at one stage I was asked to go on to they had someone drop out of one of the programs and they asked if I would go on to represent the gay marriage side and I said to them, You don't want me on this program. I am telling you that it's going to end poorly because the second anyone opens their mouth from a church on that panel, I'm going to continue to interrupt them and say, I'm sorry, to clarify, are you speaking about the legal change or the position of the church? Because yeah. they're very different things, and 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 when you're talking about the position of the church in 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 terms of what we're talking about here, like you're talking about things that are dated thousands of years old, and we've moved on way beyond that. But that's I mean? fine. It's their institution. Yeah. But they also don't have any control over the law. Yeah. They don't sit in parliament. No, they're I, not lawmakers. No. I, so your feeling on how they operate to me is irrelevant. Like everyone's going to have their own opinions, right? Some people think we we shouldn't be eating meat. That like that's your opinion. You can't change the fabric of people's opinions. I also think it's somewhat offensive to ask an eighty-year-old person who's lived their entire lives picking up the Bible every day and thinking that that's a real you know doctrine and that's what happened and that's the the, the series yeah, of events yeah, in there is true. Yeah. That one day we just ask you, been that? We've moved on now. Been it? Yeah. Been yeah that's yeah. quite offensive, personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, and that that's your whole being. Asking someone to bin it because it's convenient for you, not appropriate. The problem was we weren't asking you to do that. We weren't asking we you just to amend the, the, the religious doctrine because the religious doctrine hasn't changed. It's still the same, the religious doctrine. They haven't moved their position. It's still a man, a woman that's in the Bible. Cool. You don't see anyone trying to change that now. We weren't looking for a change of that. And that, to me, is the big issue. What was the gay community? We think we should be able to get married. We think that's fair. What does the church think? We think that you shouldn't be able to because that's not what was written a thousand <laughs> years ago. Cool. Now let's talk about the law. Do you know what I mean? Like, now we got all that out of the yeah, way. Let's yeah, talk about what we're actually discussing here. And that's what I think is so funny. At yeah. what stage would we ever ask the Archbishop of who gives a fuck to go into Parliament and talk? Never. Yeah. It's like in the US, church and state, there's a reason that's in their constitution, the separation. Yeah, there has yeah. to be a separation because they're yeah. not lawmakers. So it just doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. No. But you have to be pragmatic the way that you approach those conversations because they get emotionally charged so quickly that all of a sudden the whole conversation's about this poor couple who have never had the chance to marry and now they're dying in hospital it's like oh no one cares shush that's not relevant we're trying to deal with the law yeah, yeah, yeah. which is broad strokes it deals with all categories in one move unemotionally unemotionally and and and, and they're just putting emotional charge stories around both sides of the case which is which is by the to try and narrate which is and that's where i feel like you lost the middle ground a lot of middle ground people just who weren't comfortable taking i'm for gay marriage because they've lived their entire lives believing in the bible believing in the church and having that you know, I mean, they wake up every day and they look up and they truly believe someone's looking out for them, right? Yeah. That's what they've woken up every single day of their lives. And now we're asking them to just bin that. I think that's inappropriate, personally.
and 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 honestly like i said to you before like the way that you've articulated it i've never heard it articulated that way before so i appreciate you doing that i appreciate doing it it's too boring people don't hear it i just want to say like thank you very much for your time on the podcast today mate i really appreciate it do you want to drop your socials and drop the businesses um the the websites and that so you can obviously yeah for sure um instagram oh i just acquired it about three months ago finally got at sam mangan no longer an underscore at the front so um at sam mangan on instagram that's fine i I don't know what else the other ones are at sam.mangan if you want to see me get abused on tiktok for being a misogynist um and mangancompany.com and james cosmetics as well ja- well yeah mangancompany.com will uh, send you to all the different companies but james cosmetics uh spin and co mangan projects yeah perfect i'll put i'll put links in all the bios thank you very much for your time young thank man. you sir and i appreciate it and uh much love guys don't forget to subscribe to the frankie lee podcast